0: another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to talk to Governor Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, now an ABC News political and legal contributor and the author of a best-selling book, Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. The um, uh, Chris Christie is a uh, one of those people who's talking about issues that really matter. There was a piece by Yuval Levin that I shared with you that talks about the reason that our elections seem so stale is that both parties are used to very, very close elections. They go back to trying to rally the base, not to persuade people of anything. And the reason they can't and don't is because they're not addressing the questions that really matter to Americans in the terms of where we live. Uh, Governor Christie, uh, uh, apparently you uh, uh, basically uh, made a trip up to New Hampshire recently. Uh, was I
1: did. That I did. To, for the, I did not. For, um, for,
0: for the spring weather to uh, enjoy the change of season?
1: <laughs> I went up at the, at the invitation of the New England Business Council. Uh, for a program they call Politics and Eggs at St. Anselm's College in Manchester. Got to speak a bit about where our party and our country are right now, and, and uh, it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good event. And when it went later that evening to be interviewed by David Gergen at the uh, Kennedy School uh, in Boston that evening. So it was a, a full day in New England, and uh, I thought we had a good conversation both up in Manchester and later on in Boston.
0: Okay, one of the headlines said that you spoke, uh, I believe it was in New Hampshire, uh, about praise of Putin. You weren't offering praise of Putin, were you?
1: No, I was criticizing those who have praised Putin and talking about how dangerous it is because those words are used by the Russian media um, to prop Putin up uh, and to uh, diminish uh, the impact of the, uh, the the denouncing that has been happening around the world of Vladimir Putin personally and of his policies, and for those who said, and particularly the former president who said, you know, he was a genius and very savvy for invading uh, Ukraine, I think those are not only fundamentally wrong, but they're also very dangerous things to be saying um, at at this time in our history.
0: Yeah, do you also know as a former president recently, uh, and this is on camera. Uh, asked uh, uh, President Putin for help with uh, finding information about Hunter Biden.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, this is an old this is an old way that he goes about doing things, and he'll say he was kidding, um, and that'll be his response when he's called on it. Um, but you know what we should be focusing on um, is uh, all the failings that the Biden administration is putting our country through right now. You know, seven and a half percent inflation large gas prices, uh, taking down of our domestic oil production, Uh, you know, on and on and on uh, on things we can talk about here. And now tapping the strategic oil reserve rather than allowing for greater domestic production of oil and natural gas. uh, Just a series of of crazy policy decisions added to the out of control spending, added to the fact that the president can't seem to go two days without sticking his foot in his mouth.
0: No, which is a problem for somebody who needs to be leading the free world as the president, any president, would be called to do in this current situation. Uh, they recently had a um, uh, a gathering in Jacksonville with members of Congress on the Republican side trying to put together an agenda that would be the equivalent of the old contract with America. It's called a commitment to America. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, participated in that meeting. I assume you didn't. You're not a Republican member of Congress, I or not. any member of Congress, right? Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had this to say about the top priorities she believes Republicans should follow uh, when they take control of the House. Uh, listen, and we'll get a reaction from Chris Christie. It's this next is- this next two years, we want to focus on investigation. We want to dig into Hunter Biden's laptops. We want, to, we want to go into Dr. Anthony Fauci and find out what did they fund, what did they know, and what is COVID-19 and its origins. And- uh, do you think those should be top priorities when the Republicans take the House of Representatives?
1: Uh, I think the top priority should be trying to do things to, to ramp up our domestic oil production To bring the price of gasoline down for everyday americans i think we should be working on trying to trim back this government spending to try to lower inflation um, make it more affordable for people to go to the supermarket and buy food for their family Um, and i think we should work on rebuilding our nation's military um, so that we're ready to take on the challenges going forward and sending some very clear messages to china uh, as well as russia about what our intent is going forward Um, but look We shouldn't. No one. I don't think should be spending any time listening to Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, she's just one of 435 members of Congress. The people of her her congressional district have the right to send her. That's their choice. But it doesn't mean we have to listen to her to her sophistry. Right. Um,
0: It it seems to me that I don't know. Maybe people on all sides can agree on one thing, which is that government by investigation or uh, politics trying to find scandal uh above everything else it just hasn't worked out too well in uh, any recent administration in terms of that idea of bringing america's more together for common purpose uh, do you think that uh, the people who have advised president biden including a lot of people on the democratic side to take on some uh, more Republicans into the administration so it at least gets that point of view getting ready to work with a new Congress Do you think that's a good idea
1: look it's a good idea only if he will listen to them and giving them giving them meaningful opportunity to advise and counsel them now if we're just going to put in Showtime Republicans to say look at me I'm bipartisan I have a couple Republicans in the administration then don't bother we don't we've seen that show before We've seen, you know, Democrats put Republicans in as Secretary of Transportation, you know, and say, OK, see, I've got a Republican, whether it was Ray Hood, um, and, and George W. Bush did it in the other way with Norman Mineta in um, the Secretary of Transportation. So, uh, Michael, to me, what the American people really need is substantive cooperation um, and people standing up for the things that are important for the, the American people around their kitchen table um, every night for their children. Uh, And you know, putting choice back into education for parents, those are the things we should be working on. If Joe Biden wants to listen to Republicans on those issues, um, sure, I'd be all in favor of him putting some in his administration. But not if they're just going to be show ponies; they have to be workhorses.
0: Uh, uh, Governor, can you stay for a few more moments? Um, I have one question that maybe you might want to think about. In fact, as we're going to a break. Uh, before we, we get to it, and the question has to do with the nominated uh, Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson. It, it now looks like uh, Susan Collins is the only Republican who so far has expressed support for her, but that's enough to virtually assure her confirmation. What do you say? Would you involve, uh, advise Republicans to back her or not?
1: Oh look, I, I, my view on it is that you know each one of those senators should make their own call. For me, um, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that she is she is a competent and qualified judge. I, I was, though, Michael, very concerned about some of the answers that she gave, or more frankly, refused to give. Um, you know, we all understand that justices, potential justices, shouldn't give answers to questions on matters that may become may come before the court. Um, But she refused to even really delve into uh, decisions that she made as a district court judge. And as a former prosecutor, I was very concerned about the sentencing decisions that she made on the child pornography cases that came before her. And I think that that's something that would concern the American people, too.
0: Uh, We will be right back with Chris Christie. And uh, we'll also ask him another uncomfortable question. The New York Post spotted him having lunch with a suspicious character, or is Andrew Cuomo really a suspicious character? We'll get to that and more with Chris Christie. And on The Michael Medved Show, one of the most amazing stories that has not gotten the kind of coverage I thought it would get Uh, not outside the New York metropolitan area anyway, has been the uh, talk about a comeback for Governor Andrew Cuomo, who had to resign uh, under pressure because of charges against him in terms of his dealing with various uh, women, including women who worked for the state of New York. Uh, Chris Christie was spotted having lunch in Manhattan with uh, with. Governor Cuomo, two former governors. I understand that you are friendly. Uh, what uh, do you have to say, Governor Christie, concerning, first of all, the coverage of your your lunch, my lunch with Andrew, and uh, the prospect of a uh, comeback for Governor Cuomo?
1: Well, uh, Governor Cuomo and I, as you know, worked uh, side by side for seven years uh, because we're neighbors. And we share the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey together. And we worked well together for seven years. A lot of big projects done uh, for the people of New York and New Jersey from an infrastructure perspective. Uh, The Bayonne Bridge, the LaGuardia Airport. So a lot of good things that that we needed to get done and got done. Um, I had not seen Andrew since COVID started back in March of 2020. So it had been just about two years since we had seen each other. Uh, We went and had lunch and, and we had a good conversation Um, about what's happened over the last two years, our families and and all the rest. Uh, As far as a comeback is concerned, you know, I'll say the same thing uh, on the air that, you know, I've said to him, which is I I just think that this is not the time for a uh, for an Andrew Cuomo political comeback.
0: Yeah. And uh, what's amazing is, according to the polling, he's running neck and neck in the primary with Governor Hochul. So who knows?
1: Who Uh, knows is right.
0: Do you um, um, intend to make a decision about your own political future before the election of 2022?
1: I do not. Um, I won't make any decision on that until after the midterm elections in 2022, probably the end of this year or the very beginning of next. Um, These things get started earlier and earlier, and I'm not going to contribute to that and don't think I need to. Um, So we'll wait and we'll we'll help uh, others around the country on their races in the midterms. I was uh, in Georgia yesterday um, campaigning for uh, Governor Brian Kemp um, in his race that he has uh, in a primary for re-election. Um, and so I'm going to continue to go out there and help folks who I consider to be friends and people worthy of office. Uh, and Brian Kemp is certainly one of them. And uh, I'm going to be pulling hard for him and doing everything I can to make sure he gets uh, renominated on May 24th.
0: Well, amen to that. He's running well ahead, as I understand, in the polls right now against uh, former Senator uh, David Perdue, who is the Trump-endorsed candidate. Uh, You had another controversial encounter recently with George Stephanopoulos on ABC, and uh, you were debating energy independence, and uh, – George Stephanopoulos was trying to say that climate change is such an existential crisis that uh, energy independence has to be put aside. you have any thoughts about that exchange right now and how that issue plays out politically?
1: Well, look, to me, I think it's ridiculous, and we're seeing how ridiculous it is. I have no problem, Michael, with us continuing to develop alternative energy forms, solar and wind. We should be using nuclear much more than we are. <clears throat> For instance, when I was governor of New Jersey, over 53% of our electricity every day was produced by nuclear power. Um, I have no problem with all those things, but we cannot abandon fossil fuels. We're simply not ready for it. The technology isn't. And when we are stopping the state of North Dakota from producing half a million barrels a day and instead importing that half a million barrels a day for people like Vladimir Putin and Maduro in Venezuela uh, and, and OPEC, it uh, just seems to me that is a wrong-headed policy it doesn't do anything about climate change. It just makes America weaker economically and strategically.
0: Uh, yeah, and again, I was talking to Brian Lomborg earlier today. What, what do you think is behind this obsession, which is really not shared by most Americans, about the immediate dangers of climate change?
1: Look, this is one of those... Um, uh, you know, apostolic moments for very liberal Democrats. They absolutely believe that uh, this is something that we have to turn our entire economy um, on its head about. And I simply don't believe that uh, we should, especially knowing that folks like Russia, China, and others are not doing it. Um, They're not turning their economies upside down, quite to the contrary. So we need to continue to work to be the technological leader we are to develop alternative energy forms and, and and get them to the point where they can have broad use but we're not there yet and when we're not there we have to continue to use what we have uh you know natural gas which is much more clean burning uh, than coal for instance can be used more extensively and certainly we should be producing domestic oil and we should be exporting that which we don't need to our european friends so they don't have to rely on vladimir putin
0: And uh, finally, there's this huge controversy going on in the state of Florida about the so-called don't say gay bill and their attempts to get it declared unconstitutional. And uh, Disney, of course, uh, threatening a, a basically a nationwide campaign against that bill. Where do you come down on that issue?
1: Well, I haven't read the bill itself, Michael, but I'll just say this. I don't believe it should be all that controversial that we shouldn't be uh, concerning ourselves with sex education for our children in kindergarten to third grade. And it just doesn't seem to me that that should be a top priority of our schools. We should let families take care of any conversation, if it happens at all, um, with their children in the home and not worry about that in uh, in schools. So I don't object to the principle. I haven't read the bill, but I don't object to the idea that for kindergarten through third grade, we shouldn't be uh, you know, teaching our children about sex education.
0: Yeah, or or basically going through the the whole debate about gender I- identity no. in, in front of kids who haven't even encountered puberty yet. Uh, no, it makes it, no
1: sense, Michael. At all, no sense.
0: If you were to look at one priority that america faces and confronts for the immediate future that doesn't get nearly the attention it deserves that priority would be
1: parental choice and education of our children i know we've talked about it a bunch but we haven't done anything about it michael and i have to tell you um i'm concerned about our public education system i'm concerned about it especially in our urban areas and i really believe that if parents were allowed to have more choice and make sure that regardless of their financial wherewithal. They were able to choose the place that was best for their children's education. Um, Our country would be in a much better position in terms of how we're preparing young people to be the patriots of tomorrow. Uh,
0: That's the author of Republican Rescue. The subtitle of Chris Christie's book is Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of uh, Joe Biden. Governor, it's always a great pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for (laughs) dealing with a series of wide-ranging topics having to do with my lunch with uh, Andrew and more. Uh, We will be right back on the Medved show with uh, the Energy Secretary's solution for high gas prices. Yeah, Jennifer Granholm, she has a solution. What is it? Well, you'll be inspired i'm sure we're coming right back on the medved show
1: 1-800-955-1776 the michael medved show that's 1-800-955-1776
2: michael you have the greatest show on the planet the
1: michael medved show
0: And on the uh, Michael Medved Show, uh, talking about uh, high gas prices, everybody feels it, everybody worries about it, and uh, an indication of a politician who was just profoundly out of touch, I mean completely out of touch, and there are plenty of them, but Jennifer Granholm, former governor of Michigan, who was our energy secretary, and uh, given the fact that Part of her job, one would think, is trying to keep a supply of energy, which right now is very much dependent upon fossil fuels, to keep that available and affordable for American people has a, a completely different answer for the current crisis in fuel costs. Uh, this is Senator, uh, former Governor, now Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and yeah, cut two One of the things that I think is a really great example of this is that if you filled up your 15 gallon tank today, you'd be paying about 62 bucks to go 300 miles. If you plugged in an electric vehicle in your garage with your three prong plug, you'd be paying about 10 bucks. So 10 bucks versus 62 bucks, that's 50 bucks you're saving every time you fill up. That's a huge savings for real people. Okay, but. For real people, have you looked at the prices of some of those electrical offers and and really should it be the job of the government to pay extra money so people can get an electric vehicle? And look, uh, one of the things about the auto industry that you ought to be fairly sensitive to is they are shifting over. All of them are in entering the competition for electric production. It should bring the cost down to some extent. But when you're talking about uh, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 and more cars uh, in terms of dollar costs, this is uh, very nice to say to to Americans, gosh, you can save money on gas by spending a lot more money in getting uh, electric vehicles. It probably is the wave of the future, but I think it's a way of dodging uh what the present uh calls upon us to deal with in terms of some very real difficulties there's also nancy pelosi who knows exactly who to blame for the high fuel prices this is clip 2.5 of course we have the putin price hike at, at the pump pump and it is uh uh, something that has to be addressed. It, it, the price of of uh, oil and gasoline uh, — gas at the pump started going up when he started circling uh, Ukraine uh, and uh, Cuba, And it is um, — well, even before he went in, but as he showed his intentions. But it's, it's beyond that, too. Uh, there is very interest in our caucus in stopping price gouging on the part of the of the uh, industry. It's about uh, passing on whatever we might pass to alleviate the price of the pump to the consumer. Okay, not particularly coherent, and nor is President Biden's effort. Uh, He has announced his historic oil reserve reliefs. But why do that before you actually do what you can to encourage uh, pipelines and more domestic supply. I mean, the United States has made over recent years a tremendous progress in terms of energy independence, which always was a big goal for this country. And right now at a time when we desperately do need more supply to bring down the cost of energy, Why is this a good time to attack the energy companies that are supposed to provide that? This is clip 14 from the president of the United States. Some
2: some companies have been pretty blunt. They don't want to increase supply because Putin's price hike means higher profits. One CEO even acknowledged that they don't care if the price of a a barrel of oil goes to $200 a barrel. They're not going to step up the production. I say enough. Enough of lavishing excessive profits on investors and payouts and buybacks when the American people are watching. The world is watching. U.S. oil companies made nearly $80 billion in profit last year. And this year those profits are expected to continue to soar. This is the time, not the time to sit on record profits. It's time to step up for the good of your country, the good of the world, to invest in the media production that we need. To respond to vladimir putin to provide some relief for your customers non-investors and executives
0: okay I, again when you actually look at the behavior of some of the american energy companies that pulled out investments from russia that actually are trying to support federal policy in other words rather than quote, jawboning and blaming oil companies for price gouging for responding to the international cost of a barrel of petroleum. How could they not respond? And wasn't the administration policy very clearly before this rise in the gas price of the pump to actually have that kind of rise, to discourage the use of uh, traditional uh energy sources I I mean fossil fuels the uh, the idea here that uh, this is a a, a good thing rather than sitting down together with the people who are the heads of these leading energy companies and maybe working on some of this progress together wouldn't that be a a more worthwhile pursuit and then there is this there's the um, former Disney CEO uh, whose name is bob Iger? of course he commented on florida's parental rights bill the so-called don't say gay bill which is a completely misleading and and wrong title he uh, suggested that the issue is more and bigger and more substantial and impassioned than we even expected uh, this is bob Iger, former disney ceo clip five
2: a lot of these issues are not necessarily political it's about right and wrong so I happen to feel and I tweeted an opinion about the don't say gay bill in Florida to me it wasn't politics it was what is right and what is wrong and that just seemed wrong it seemed potentially harmful to kids when you're dealing with right and wrong or when you're dealing with something that does have a profound impact on your business then I just think you have you'd have to do what is right and not worry about the potential backlash to it
0: okay this is right and wrong do you think most americans believe that uh planting questions about gender identity in five-year-olds in kindergartners and six-year-olds that that is right or necessary and this goes to the comment by amy schneider who is the uh, jeopardy champ the first transgender jeopardy stamp she visited with the White House and uh, expressed her worries uh, to the president. Uh, listen, this is clip six. Do you want to comment on the bills you've seen
1: around the nation? Uh, they're really scary. And uh, some of them in particular that are denying uh, medical services uh, to trans youth, those are, those are
0: life-saving medical treatments. And they will, you know, these bills co- will, will cause the deaths of children. And that's really sad to me and it's really frightening. Okay, this is outrageous because you're talking about federal funding of uh, prepubescent young children uh, getting uh, various hormone blockers and various treatments that are very controversial. And the idea that this is going to cause the death of children – this notion that this is such a wonderful therapy that people have worked out to support, even on very young ages, uh, gender dysphoria being dealt with, as the uh, comments that we heard from Great Britain, the idea that this is all settled science and it's a normal and it's all based on bigotry, I I mean, it, it goes against every Article of Common Sense. Uh, Sometimes it goes. It uh, feels amazing that this uh, week is uh, almost finished, coming into uh, Sabbath, coming into a weekend, and uh, that means a week after the slap heard around the world, and isn't it wonderful that we don't have to be too concerned about that? Uh, Will Smith still has to be, because if anything is clear, it's that the, that particular issue uh, does not appear to be showing a lot of support for his uh, uh, emotional outburst and especially with news that the police department in L.A. said that they wanted to arrest him, but Oscar officials and uh, Chris Rock prevented them from doing so. I'm sure there will be further conversation and maybe even some more revelations about that incident seen by so many billions of people, literally, or unseen since they blocked some of the coverage. We'll get to uh, more on that next week, I am certain. But uh, this week there are uh, two new movies. One that is just released now, streaming everywhere, which already earned about four hundred million dollars. Yeah, and the other one, a, a new family-friendly film that's available on Disney Plus. Let's uh, go first to Sing 2. Uh, Sing 2 was a big uh, successor to uh, The First Sing, and that's a story where a group of oddly assorted animals, um, very animated animals, voiced by people like Matthew McConaughey and Reese Witherspoon and others, um, are uh, taking place in a, a singing competition to save a theater that has threatened the proprietor of the theater is a koala bear uh, voiced by Matthew McConaughey. Well, sing too. That same group of characters are trying to take their show on the road for a breakthrough opportunity at a uh, resort community that looks like Las Vegas, with big casinos and clubs, etc. And uh, this time, uh, you have uh, all kinds of well-known folks. Uh, including Bono. Bono plays a uh, lion who was once a uh, rock legend who was trying to be lured out of retirement to allow the, uh, the other animals to actually have a successful show. Uh, listen to this uh, scenes from Sing Two
2: i'll give you three weeks to get this show up and running you have no idea what you're getting into whatever podunk town they crawled out of that's where they belong we cannot let that bully steal our hopes and
0: dreams guts faith these are the things you need now good evening it is my pleasure to present to to you you a brand new show show featuring the
2: return of clay calloway (sighs) so step step right up and take take your seat the the journey journey of a lifetime lifetime is about to begin. begin
0: okay may not be the journey of a lifetime but it's a pretty mind-opening experience I wasn't expecting much from this jukebox musical and there are lots and lots of songs that you're kind of at the edges of consciousness that are featured in the film but the animation is stunning this is the same folks who have done uh, Ice Age movies they've done the Despicable Me series of movies and the animation is just spectacular one of the things that they do here is there will be scenes where a bunch of the characters are together in the same scene and they're each reacting differently and interacting and very extraordinarily lifelike, even though they are not meant to be particularly lifelike. This is not an animated film uh, about animals like the Lion 2 real life, uh, uh, the, the Lion King Remake that tried to show the animals as more real life. These are definitely cartoon characters. It's also uh, very funny, and uh, the pace is breathless. And there's not much of a plot, but it's kind of intriguing. There's a bad guy casino owner thinks Steve Wynn, or I don't know. Some people might even think Donald Trump, who is voiced by Bobby Cannavale. You hear him there with a the New York accent. Um, the uh, film actually works <laughs> remarkably well, and it's hard to imagine anybody, uh, even very young viewers. It's rated PG for some moments of danger, uh, but uh, three stars for Sing 2. Uh, another movie, which is a, a new film, it's by uh, written and directed by a guy who wrote a very successful uh A children's novel really uh, about a seventh grader who can't get a part in the school play but he can sneak away with his uh, best friend from seventh grade Uh, when his parents are going away for an anniversary weekend he is supposed to be held taken care of by his older brother instead they sneak off to New York for an open audition for a new Broadway adaptation based on another Disney film, Lilo and Stitch. Uh, the film is called Better Nate Than Ever. Listen.
2: Forget New York. I'm just trying to survive seventh grade. I love that you're still acting. You remind me of, like, me.
0: You're literally all I wanna be when I grow up. Be when I.
2: Three weeks on Broadway, an apartment in New York. Queens, but you're a hundred times funnier and quicker than I am I didn't know you could do all that find your light. I'm the X-ical.
0: and uh, again it is about this uh, kid Nate who is uh, completely crazed by Broadway and sights uh, Broadway and dreams of Broadway and loves musicals and one of the things about the film is it's based upon a series of novels about Nate Uh, one of the other sequel novels about this character is called 567 Nate and it's very rare that you have somebody who writes these novels who is then gets the chance to write and direct a feature film like this one this is again a surprising film because it's fun and one of the things that I do think is to the credit of the movie at an age when we're all debating about don't say gay this movie doesn't say anything about this uh, young man uh, being gay uh, and the only little hint as some critics have pointed out that at one point he carries a rainbow-colored rabbit's foot for good luck but you can watch this film without even thinking about that but I think the implication is pretty clear the characters are deeply appealing they're lovable and uh, Lisa Kudrow from Friends of course is on hand as a uh, an aunt of uh, the main character who um, basically has kind of given her life to her Broadway dreams and she's a heroine to him but uh, she looks at her sister's life that's his mother the main character's mother with more admiration. It's, um, if anything, full of some kind of wholesome and touching uh, pro-family messages, and uh, it clearly set up for sequels. One other thing about the film is there's uh, his best friend, who is not his girlfriend, though she might want to be, but his best friend is a young black girl And she lives in a big, luxurious house. Her family is very uh, well-to-do. His family is not, is more working class, which is an interesting reversal that shows what reality really is in America. No, not all black people are poor and struggling, and no, not all white people are comfortable and prosperous with extra money and white privilege. Speaking of white privilege, uh, among every major group, there's a, a new poll that shows that life ratings, in other words, the way that people rate satisfactions with their own lives, have dropped to a 13-month low. Uh, why? Anything to do about it? Also, there are big elections taking place in Hungary where the strongman, man, uh, some would say almost dictator, uh, Viktor Orban, is facing a real challenge. Uh, why should Americans care? Well, this could indicate whether Putin's uh, insane and cruel and criminal invasion uh, has actually changed some of the politics, even in Eastern Europe, where uh, the Hungary would be the, the country in uh, NATO, in fact, that is most sympathetic to Putin. Uh, what's going on there? We will bring you up to date. There's also uh, Dr. Kevin Sabbat. He'll be commenting, a former drug official and drug advisor, to three presidents uh, of both parties on uh, the vote today for marijuana legalization nationwide in the House of Representatives. I don't think it's going to make it through the Senate. Why is this going on at a time when uh, positive drug tests among US workers have hit a two-decade high? We'll get to that and to so much more when this weekend concludes in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.